Welcome to the Business of Dance podcast, where we discuss business growth, dance education, creating your dream business, and falling in love with your studio all over again. Now, here's your host, business coach, educator, and owner of Dance Energy Studios, Claire O'Shea. Hi everyone, my name is Claire O'Shea and welcome back to another episode of the Business of Dance podcast. Today is part two of my interview with Erin Nash of Erin Nash Ballet Academy and the creator of The Fairy Shop. Last week in part one, I introduced you to Erin and her two wonderful businesses of dance. We also had an open discussion about the importance of creating a preschool program at your studio and I'd really advise you to check out that episode as well as Erin and I talked a lot about an amazing different things that you can include in your preschool program and Erin shared lots of awesome tips and tricks as well. In today's episode, Erin and I continue our discussion on the more of the logistical side of things when it comes to running a super successful preschool program. So let's not wait any longer and let's dive straight into the today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us today again, Erin. Thanks, Claire. I'm really excited to get into all the nitty gritty parts of running a preschool program today. Yeah. So this is more like the practical strategies and things that we need to have successful preschool programs, which is awesome. So we did touch on this a little bit in the first episode um, about, you know, times and how you can kind of use the sort of downtime in your studio to have these preschool classes but when do you think is a good time to schedule your classes with these preschool age students yeah absolutely so I schedule my preschool classes all in the morning um, because generally at this age a lot of the little ones still have an afternoon nap or if the parents have got older students, you know, they need to be available to go to school pickup at around 2.30, 3 o'clock. So the morning time really works best for me. We have a class that starts at 9.15. So parents generally, if they've got an older um, sibling, will go to school, drop the sibling off at around, you know, 8.30 or quarter to nine, and then come straight to their fairy ballet class. Yeah. Um, so that's what that works perfectly because there's, they're not rushed. There's plenty of time for them to get here. They can grab a coffee when they get here or grab a coffee on the way. And then, you know, they've got that special time with their younger, um, younger sibling to really enjoy the fairy ballet program and enjoy being here without being rushed or stressed. Mm. Um, and as you touched on before, that's the time when generally as a dance studio owner, your studio is empty because all of your, um, normal evening students, they're at school. So, um, you know, unless you're kind of hiring out to an external like yoga or Zumba or something like that, it's a perfect chance for you to really fill in, fill in your day, fill in your time and get the most for the, the lease that you're paying. Exactly. Really, really good tips. And we only started morning classes, if you can believe it, only last year. We hadn't done them before and we started off oh. with one. I know. <laughs> I don't know why. I think because, we, you know, when I first started my studio, we just were hiring different halls. So yeah, yeah. So I it didn't is really tricky. want to do like a sort of a split shift at that time because I had to just pay yeah. by the hour anyway. Uh, yeah. So we did it after school, which worked okay for us. And then I tried a morning class because all of our – parents were normally used to the afternoons it didn't really work out and then I was like Mm -hmm. no this is like it has to work and so last year we started one like Monday mornings we had like three or so classes and yeah this year we're doing it two mornings but we're we're running them from just after nine o'clock to about yeah 12 30 yeah really popular and I hope to be able to add yeah more mornings on as as the year goes on as well 
Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. That's so exciting to hear. Mm. Um, because yes, like, and, and you know, there's nothing stopping you from running it every single day of the week. You know, there's yeah. nothing stopping you and, and it does grow like it's, and it happens and you've, you've got to have that faith and that confidence in yourself. Like you said, to back mm. yourself in that decision that you've made, like, yes, we're going to do mornings. I'm going to make this work. Even if yeah. it's just one or two kids, it will grow. Like I promise yeah. you it will grow. And you know, sometimes it, it is a bit tricky, like you said, that doing the split shift, but you know, I find it really good. It, it gets you up in the morning. You're there, you've, you've done your three hours of exercise teaching the preschoolers and then you, you can settle in and do some admin for the afternoon before, um, before the after school rush happens again. So you have your older students as well, where they come in the afternoon. So do you have that at a different premises? Yes. Yeah, so we've got, um, we do have a different premises for that. So we, I've, I run that school over two different locations. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my fairy ballet studio, we do run a couple of five plus fairy ballet classes in the afternoon. So it's kind of along the same lines as our preschool program, but a little bit older. Um, but for that, it's more of like what a traditional school would have as their recreational stream, I guess. So, um, the kids don't have to wear the uniform and, um, they don't do exams or competitions or anything like that. It's purely recreational dance. And, you know, sometimes people, um, students that have done fairy ballet, you know, from age two, three, four, once they turn school age, they still want to do fairy ballet and come in the afternoon. So we, we still offer those classes after school as well. Um, if they're not quite ready to kind of feed into the more formal stream of dance that I offer at my ballet academies. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds, um, like a really good structure. And just cause I'm super interested in how, uh, dance studio owners and like entrepreneurs essentially run their life. So you, you have other people who also take the morning classes with you or are you the sole teacher in the mornings? Yeah, I've got, I definitely have a lot of staff helping me out. I think before you said like, Oh, I still really like taking, I was like, Oh my God, yeah. how do you get it all in the morning? Okay. Yeah. Tell me a little bit yeah. about your team structure. Yeah, sure thing. Um, so we have a group of 10 of us that work, um, at the fairy shop. Um, all absolutely beautiful girls who uh, I'm just so proud of them um, and they work so hard and the kids just adore them and it's just like a beautiful beautiful group of girls to be around so we have of a morning we have three staff members on um, so whether whether myself is included in that or not so we have somebody um, that works on the front desk so um, they are they're greeting the customers you know good morning Miss Claire welcome to fairy ballet you look so excited you look really pumped to be here today um, so in, so they welcome the kids in um, tick them off and then send them down to um, the studio at the back where um, their teacher is and they're teaching assistant so yeah I really do not recommend teach having one teacher on a preschool class you always need at least two because there's always going to be someone that needs their nose blown or needs their shoe tied or has a wedgie or is needs some extra cuddles or you know there's always something that happens always 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 and um, it's just good to have that second person there to just kind of assist with all that kind of stuff while the main teacher can just keep the ball rolling for the kids that are engaged at that time Um, otherwise it's just like mayhem in there so yeah so we have three staff members and the person that's on the front desk as well, um, like I said before, because we've also got a cafe here. So their job is also to go around and, you know, say to the customers, would you like a coffee and make them a coffee, bring it out. Um, and it's also good as well just to have that third person here to, if need be, duck into the class as well. So sometimes we have three teachers in there. Um, so the more hands, the better. 
And then I, f- I find it really good to have that person there to kind of chat with the parents. And so that's kind of the role that I normally take on um, of a morning here. So, so I'm really building that relationship with the parents. Um, you know, because if, if, if their child's in there quite upset, you can go over to them and say, look, I know she's really upset today, but let's just give it five more minutes. Like she's safe in there. She's going to be okay. She's just settling in. Um, whereas if there wasn't that person to kind of have that conversation, I'm sure the parent would burst in the door mm-hmm. and, and be there with the child when they just kind of need that person to say, look, everything's going to be okay. Just, just wait five minutes and I'm sure she'll settle. And, you know, as you know, sometimes it does take the little ones a little while to settle, but they do eventually. So yeah, it's just getting absolutely. to that point and getting the parents to kind of understand you. And, you know, sometimes they look at you like, oh, my God, are you crazy? Like my kid's screaming, but, mm. but it's good to just reassure them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing I will ask as well, so with your classes, because you said you have a, a main teacher and then the assistant teacher, mm-hmm. do you have a capped number for the amount of students in your classes or do you kind of let that um, sort of happen organically and see where sort of the limit is for that particular group? Yeah, I definitely let it happen organically. So, um, you know, as much as I want to say, okay, eight kids in the two-year-old class, you know, 15 kids in the three-year-old class, um, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes a class will be more settled and you can, you can put more kids in there and it will be fine. Other times you might have four or five kids that are just really still, still upset or not quite settling. And you kind of have to cap the class at that number. Mm. Um, You just have to really be flexible with it and, and just play it by ear because like I said, nothing, nothing is, is scripted in preschool ballet. Nothing can really be planned. Like it's always um, something different every single day. And you, you have to be, you have to be ready for that. You have to be prepared for that. Yeah. And sorry, this is just, I'm just very interesting. So I'm just asking some more questions. But yes, go ahead. Teachers, are they like, are they a bit younger and are you using them as assistants to then hopefully train up and become head teachers? Is that like the ultimate goal to then get them into more of a main teaching role as well? Yes, that that is absolutely the ultimate goal. Um, I do have some exceptions to that. So generally um, what I do is that the the teacher is, you know, a dance teacher. They're trained in dance and everything like that. Often my dance assistants um, are not necessarily girls that have danced their whole life or Hmm. girls with strong technique or strong dancers or strong performers. Um, often it's girls that have done a lot of babysitting or come from big families where they've got lots of siblings or they may be studying school teaching because their role is not necessarily to teach the kids the dance technique or the dance style. It's more just, just being there for them. And it's, it's more important for me that it's somebody that loves working with kids and is great working with kids than necessarily being a beautiful dancer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that makes a lot of sense. I just wasn't sure whether that was like sort of a system that you had. So you know, you ensured that you had a lot of trained staff, but I'm sure obviously after um, some time that those assistants as well would, you know, gather a lot of their own knowledge in relation to preschool dance as well. Yes, absolutely. So, so the teachers kind of lead by example and the girls are in that environment. So they're learning as well. They're seeing how the teachers interacting with the kids are seeing how the feedback they're giving to the students. So, um, yeah, essentially they are learning on the job as well to be able to one day step into that role. And like you asked earlier, so generally those assistants are more of the younger girls. So, um, you know, generally kind of age 18, 19, 20 in that assistant role. Yeah. Yeah, because obviously it's during the morning, so the younger than that, they would be at school. So, at school, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> awesome. So this is something that I, I don't even want to say debated, but it's something that is 
thought about um, a lot and I have my own opinions on it and I'm sure you do too, but do you recommend providing a free trial or no free trial for the parents um, that you're trying to get into your studio to test out if your program is right for their child? What, what's your thoughts and recommendations? You're so right, Claire. It is so heavily debated and everybody's got their own opinion of what works for them and what doesn't work for them. Um, so yeah, I do think take it all with, with a grain of salt and mm. definitely implement what works best for you. Um, we do offer a trial lesson here. I don't necessarily offer it as free trial, free trial, because you don't want people just thinking, oh, I'll just go and do that one free activity for the day and mm. you know, then I'll go do something else, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I do think that um, it is good to, to offer people that chance to come in and try it out before mm. committing for the term. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, it's people do have to book for a term and it's, it's not, um, it's not a small amount that they pay. Like it is quite a bit that they have to pay out. So I think offering that, that trial lesson on that as well, there is, um, some thought that you could have a paid trial lesson. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you could pay a certain amount, come and do the trial and so forth, which, um, you know, it kind of works two ways because it will kind of, you think, okay, if the customer's paid for it, it ensures that they definitely will turn up. Yeah. Which is great. Um, However, I kind of see in my area, and like I said, it's different in everybody's areas. People see it as, oh, okay, I've paid her the money for that trial lesson. Like, it doesn't really matter if we don't come back. Like, I've paid that. That's not on my conscience. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So um, I think, you know, if you, if you offer it just as a, I, I say, complimentary trial lesson. Yeah. I was just about to say that I've heard, because I've always used the word free. I'm not sure why, um, but it works really well at my studio and I mm. totally see where it doesn't at others. But I have seen the word complimentary a lot more lately and it does sound a little bit more um, proper and it sounds more like it's a special gift rather than just like free. And I totally yes. understand what you're saying about um, the thought process behind people valuing stuff that they pay for more. And I a hundred percent agree. So with regards to your complimentary, so you're saying you offer a complimentary trial. So if they were to come and then go yucky, it's not for me. Well, then you don't mm. charge them anything. But then if they were like, Oh, we love it. Then, then they pay for the term as per usual. Yes. Yes. Correct. Okay. Correct. And when, when I speak to customers on the phone about it or on email or wherever I'm speaking with them um, and they say, Oh, can we come in for a trial class? I say, yes, you can do a complimentary trial class to see, you know, to check that your daughter enjoys the class. And then I put the focus on them. And then I say, and for you to check that there's enough time for you to get here and to check that that time of day works for you and that you can get the, you can get a park. And, you know, I make it so it's not just a free thing for your kid to do. It's mm. a complimentary lesson for the whole family to come along and see what it's like. Yeah. No, I think that's really, really, yeah, valuable uh, feedback for our listeners. And like, like we said, you know, some, like I you do free trials and they work well for me, but I know a lot of people they don't work well for. And I do think it also depends on like sort of, you know, the socioeconomic status of your area. But I do really like the word complimentary or along that line more rather than just like free because yeah. And you will, and, but with anything, you will always get those people who are, um, we like to coin them like studio hoppers who will just jump around from place to place trying to, get trials and classes here and there, but you, know, yeah. that's, you can't avoid it always. But yeah, I think the complimentary one is a really, it sort of makes it seem like a special gift, which is lovely. Yeah, absolutely. So just, just a way of kind of playing around with the wording and just seeing what works best for you and your studio. 
Yeah. Awesome. And we did touch on it a little bit before with regards to the assistant and the main teacher and even in the last episode, but how do you personally feel is the best way to find your teachers that will suit your business and your values for these programs? Yeah, sure thing. So this is something that I have changed my method on many times over the past nine years. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously as, um, you know, the times have changed and social media is definitely more affluent in our day-to-day life now as well. So what my current process is, is I actually have a link on my website um, for people to apply to work with me. So, um, yeah, so essentially they are coming to me and then also it's because I've got a shop front here, it's a little bit different. I was getting a lot of um, people, you know, just coming in, handing in their resumes and, um, Mm. I didn't really have a set system and the, just the resume would get filed and then I'd find it again six months later. And it was just, it just wasn't working for me. And, you know, I got to the point where when people were coming in, I was like, can you please just email it to me? Because otherwise it's just going to end up as scrap paper. Um, so I thought, okay, I need to streamline this system because it's just getting out of hand. I'm, you know, getting these wonderful girls coming in and applying for jobs and that want to work here, but they're just getting lost in the process. So I've actually, yeah, added a thing on my, Um, website where you can apply for a job and what I actually have is I've got um, a video of myself so that the girls can jump on see me see what I'm like listen to me talk and kind of think you know they'll get to that point they'll think oh my goodness like okay I don't think this is really for me or they'll see it and be like yes you know it'll light something up inside of them it'll it'll spark interest and they'll be like yes that's the kind of person I am that's where I want to work so they can fill in the application there and I've got an automated email sequence that goes back and forth with them a couple of times when um, I actually ask them some questions. Ah, so, yeah. Awesome, yeah. Yeah, so this is really fun and I, I love this as part of the process because generally these girls are um, – if, if it's staff that work on the weekend, they're kind of aged around, you know, 15 and 16 um, or girls in their early 20s. So, yeah. um, you know, really fun, bubbly girls. So the first question I ask them is, so I get them to submit their resume and everything like that. Then an automated email goes back to them. You know, thank you for your application. Can you please answer the following questions? And question one is, can you please send me a YouTube link to a song that you think is appropriate for a preschool dance class? Clever. Yeah. That's a really good idea. (laughs) So obviously, you know, if someone sends me, you know, Flo Rida or Rihanna or anything like that, yeah, exactly. Then it's like, okay, you're not the right person for preschool dance. Um, but you know, if someone sends me say a Disney track or, um, you know, the Wiggles, Wiggles, that's usually what they send Emma Wiggle. And yeah, so then that automatically puts them through to the next question. Um, when I ask them, I send them a little short kind of, it's in a Google form and, um, it's like a short answer response, just multiple, um, choice, um, asking some questions such as if a child was upset in class, what would you do? Um, would you a tell them off, <laughs> B take them out to their mum, or C pick them up and give them a cuddle. So obviously the preferred answer there is C. So just things like that to kind of gauge how they would, um, how they would react in a situation yeah. like that and give them a bit of an idea of, you know, what kind of things they would expect to be doing um, at work at the fairy shop. So mm-hmm. usually that kind of process back and forth usually goes, you know, maybe over a week and then I can really filter down then um, based on those responses. don't reply as well. Yeah, exactly. Yet. They've already sort of self-eliminated. That's it. That's it exactly. So, you know, that shows me as well that they've actually – taken the time to think about the questions and and replied and not just like, Oh, I can't be bothered. 
So it's like, if you can't be bothered filling in a multiple choice question on your, on your internet at home, then Mm. how do I know you can be bothered to turn up to work? Absolutely. No, that's, that is a really, really smart. I honestly haven't heard of that process before. That's really awesome. Like a lot of the times, you know, you can have like a detailed, um, you know, Google form sort of resume type thing. And obviously if they're not wanting to fill it all out, well then, you know, like you said, but I enjoy the concept of having like the video to kind of, you know, if they're like, Oh no, he's like, this is not going to work for you. Well, you don't want them to work for you anyway. So that's, that's really, yeah, that's awesome. And the automated email, you're talking my language. I really like that. That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know, I know you love your automated sequences, yeah. Claire. So, I do. um, and, and on that as well, like I, I often see, and I'm sure all business or dance studio business owners listening, you know, we're, in, we're all in lots of dance teacher Facebook groups and things mm. like that. Mm. And it just breaks my heart when I see um, teachers post, you know, oh my goodness, this a teacher didn't show up. I'd given them oh, the shift and they didn't show up um, or yeah. they canceled at the last second. Um, so I feel like implementing a process like this, you can really weed out who's, who's going to do that. Like I don't think somebody would go through this process over one or two weeks and then come in for an interview and everything and then just not show up to the class yeah that's you're so right and I do think you know you want to make it a little bit challenging but not like overly difficult but exactly you you want to give them a few challenges to see if they're willing and they're really kind of keen and interested so that's a really I think a really smart process and obviously people could adapt it to work a little bit better you know if if they um you you could turn it on and off at different times of the year or you know but if I'm always looking for relief teachers like depending Mm -hmm. on the time of the year and then I'm also looking to get like a, a base of teachers that I love so that I can, you know, we are always sort of filling up classes and looking to sort of expand. So then if I have a database of teachers who are already kind of being, I guess, like vetted by my mm. process, well, then that's a really um, good way to know that they are of a high quality and are going to sort of, you know, exude the values of your business and your program. That's it, Claire. And the thing is, if somebody applies to you and they are that amazing and resonate with everything that you're about, like you will find a job for them. Yeah, that's so true. And like, I'm in this sort of process at the moment. One of my regular team members um, has been away for a term. She's been doing volunteer work in a third world country, which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, And I found a relief teacher to take her spot just for one term, but I love this relief teacher so much. I'm like trying to figure out um, I'm going to like add more classes just so I can, you know, keep her. Yeah. She's amazing. So um, it's so true. If, if there's someone that you really like, wow, this is like a special person, you'll, you know, you'll do what you can to try and make it work. And yeah, that's so true. But one thing I did want to ask you as well is because we always talk about sort of the, the preschool teacher having, you know, quite a sometimes different personality than maybe like a teacher that takes other classes in more school age children. But Mm -hmm. do you think you can teach, you know, just a teacher who's had, you know, no training with preschoolers or not particular um, expertise in the area. Do you think you can teach them how to work really well with younger students? Yeah, absolutely. I think if someone's willing to learn and willing to put their hand up to um, to train in that environment, then absolutely. It's all about what attitude you have for it. Mm. Um, and, you know, if you're willing to throw yourself in there and get involved in it, being a preschool ballet teacher is a very challenging environment. But if, if it's something that you're wanting to give a go, um, like I said, it's all about just having the right attitude and having an open mind for it. Um, mm. And I'm sure that they could learn those skills. Yeah, absolutely. I just find it because 
um, like I said, I did Bachelor of Early Child Education. I've worked in childcare a lot and I always had a particular interest in those younger age groups. Yes. Um, but I had it like, you know, a few of my younger teachers that have come through have shown a bit of a, an interest in that younger group. And then some of them are a bit like, oh no, I don't want to teach like little ones. Yeah. I'm like, I also sort of then have to teach them like why there's so much value in teaching that younger age group. And I actually this year for the first time ever, I'm not like on a regular scheduled any of our petite classes this year. And I did a relief night last night and I had to teach a couple and I just feel like, oh my gosh, I just, I, I do really love teaching those classes, but yes. I obviously have to be very particular in, in which classes I still teach. So it's just how it worked out this year. But yeah, that's really good. If like you said, they're really keen, well then you can sort of teach anyone anything basically. Yeah, that's right. But then as well, like you touched on some, some of your staff, um, some of your senior students just aren't interested in it. And, you know, that's fine. And that's, that's good for you to recognize as a studio owner, like, look, this isn't the right person for this role. So we just spoke a little bit yeah, about how the, can you sort of teach a teacher? I basically how to work with preschool age students, but how do you think, and maybe what's like the one main thing that you notice a preschool teacher differs from a class teacher for possibly school age children? Like what's maybe like one thing that you think that they really need to hone, like a particular skill or uh, quality of that teacher? Of course, I would say the main um, skill or quality is absolutely patience. Mm. Um, so even when you're teaching kind of any, any kind of skill you definitely need to be patient as a teacher um but more specifically as a preschool dance teacher you need to have absolute patience so um you know whether or not that means patience in letting the kids settle or patience in them learning a new skill or patience with the parents um in you know having that faith and trust in you as their teacher to let you take over um it's definitely a marathon not a sprint mm. and you need to be able to kind of step back and see that and and think okay I've, I've got this program for I've got this term for 10 weeks and you know by the end of it you you will see results and it will feel really rewarding but you need to you need to kind of have have that patience with yourself as well and you know I'm sure we've all been there we've we've taught a class and it hasn't quite gone as planned or you know you feel like you haven't done the best job and you just have to take a step back have a deep breath and remember you know like we got through it. There's always next week. Um, and you know, the kids will always, always throw curlies at you. They'll always be in a different mood or a different temperament yeah. or have different stories to tell you, or, you know, they've just woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Um, and you, you've just got to have that patience with it all. Yeah. Patience. That sounds like a very good thing and something that I have a lot of for children, but not for adults, which is on. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Completely agree with you there. Yeah. <laughs> that's all good though. As long as I don't, you know, I can still cope in teaching. So that's awesome. So yes, with this age group, we know that these children are really, really young. So it can be quite hard when they're first being dropped off or, you know, for a lot of students, like you said before, it could be the first time that they're actually spending, you know, time away from their parents. So is there any like things that you do in particular in, you know, possibly, um, educating the parents beforehand or even kind of, you know, introducing the students to your um, studio or program that can really help reduce separation anxiety or is it sort of one of those things you can't really predict and you've just got to, you know, roll with it? So like, do you have any tips or anything for our listeners? 
Yeah, great. Well, I actually have um, a blog post all about this um, on our um, website. Um, if um, yeah, I'm sure we'll give the details of that at the end. Um, yeah. But I've created the five tips for a successful first day. Um, oh, so I love it. yeah, as you touched on, Claire, it is mainly about um, educating the parents in this scenario mm. because it's up to the parents. So um, my first tip, like if if you cannot do anything else on the first day of your child's first preschool dance program, just do this, and that is arrive early. Yeah. So. <laughs> Even if it's just five minutes early, like there's nothing worse than rushing your kid through the door. Quick, chuck these shoes on. Here's this random person that's going to take you into that room and I don't know any of these people and you don't either, but go in there and dance. You know, it's just not going to go well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I always, I send people an email and I say, please, you know, try to arrive five to 10 minutes early. And that way um, we can take the student in and say, look, this is our, this is our studio. This is where we're going to dance today. We can go out to the waiting room and say, this is where mommy and daddy are going to sit. This is where mommy's going to watch you on the screen. Um, this is your teacher, blah, blah, blah. And just run through it all with them. So they've got time to kind of process it and understand it and think, okay, yes, like I know what's going on. I'm in control of the situation. I'm okay with this. Mm. So a nice smooth transition into the first day is so important. And Mm. for the parents as well, you know, the kids do pick up on stress. So if you're feeling stressed or rushed or tense or a bit anxious about the situation as well, then the kids will pick up on that too. And yeah, that's the last thing that you want um, on the first day. Yeah. My second tip is to make the studio a familiar place. Mm -hmm. Um, So this can either be by coming in, um, you know, in the week leading up to it to have a look around um, so that the child knows, okay, this is where I'm coming. That's, that's what mummy means when she talks about, oh, we're going to ballet. That's where we're going. Um, Or even if, if you're too busy for that, or the studio doesn't have set open hours, just drive past and wave. Mm. So, you know, like, okay, we're driving past, like wave hello to Miss Erin. That's where she's going to be teaching you your ballet. Um, So again, so the child understands like, oh yeah, that's that place. Like that's where we go um, to do my ballet. I don't have to be scared. It's a familiar place. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then point number three is to dress the part. So um, we, we don't have a set uniform for my preschool program, but I know it is different in every studio, but um, I'm sure everybody has kind of some combination of ballet shoes and a skirt and a leotard or, or a tiara or something. Mm. Um, so I always encourage the parents to dress the kids up on the first day. You know, don't just send them in T-shirt and shorts um, because they might feel uncomfortable seeing that everyone else is dressed up or yeah. um, everything like that. And, you know, when you're under the age of five, dressing up is so exciting. Yeah. Even, even now at my age, I love getting dressed up. So um, it's important to, to kind of, you know, engage that excitement, get dressed up, make a big deal out of it, take the photos, you know, buy a special outfit. Um, mm. You know, this is what you're going to wear on your first day. Isn't that so exciting? Um, yeah. So then, then, then the, the child feels, um, feels really special and, um, you know, knows that it's a special day and feels relaxed and feels confident um, and that will help them um, settle in. Okay, so then point number four, um, this one's for the parents, and that is to trust the teachers. Yes. So, yes, how many times have we all been in that situation where um, it's like, okay, kids, it's time to go in now. Come and hold my hand. And the parent just will not let the child go. Mm. and you know we and I say to I say to my staff as well in this situation like the child is fine they're not hurt they're not sick Mm. there's nothing wrong with them they're they're just suffering some separation anxiety Mm. and 
you know, it will pass. We just need to look after them and nurture them and it will pass. So I, I say to, to, to the parents here to trust the teachers. Um, and I've written in my blog that being a preschool dance teacher is the best job in the world. So we only employ the best teachers for it. So they need to trust them. Awesome. Yeah. That's really clever. Yeah. And so Um, you said that was last tip then? Yes. Tip number five is to keep calm and enjoy the moment. So Mm. what a special moment, her first ballet class, it only happens once. So you want to be there and enjoy it and, you know, take the photos, make the memories because you just don't know what a journey you're embarking on. You know, your, Mm. your child could grow up to be a professional ballerina one day or a dance teacher or, you know, to dance their whole life. And this Mm. is the very first day. Like I still have a picture that my mum took of my very first day of dancing, you know, 25 years ago. And it's an absolute treasured memory of mine. And, um, so, and, and of my family's as well. So it's, it's really important just, just to really embrace the moment, like keep calm, enjoy it, make the most of it. Yeah, that's, yeah. And there's some really good tips. I have um, a similar sort of infographic that I share with my families in a, um, a automated email sequence when they book a trial. Yes. But I think a blog post is a really fantastic way. Could you share the blog post link now? Do you have it with you? And we'll also put it on our show notes. Yeah, absolutely. If you go to fairyshop.com.au slash blog, it, this one's actually pinned to the top. So this will, oh, will, will come okay. up first because it's my favorite one. Awesome. And we will make sure to put those, um, that link in the show notes as well. But that yeah, is wonderful. really awesome. Yeah. So that's, yeah, like you said, it is often, um, and the kids sort of sense the anxiety from their parents, I think as well. So they do get a little bit more anxious even. Um, and, you know, there'll always be those kids will be like, bye. And just like one. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. Like you said, those are some really good tips to give, you know, our team members as well as possibly for, um, you know, people can obviously share your blog posts with their families. Yes. Or yes. Please feel free. Um, create, you know, if they had some more tips they wanted to share that were a little bit different, you could always create your own. And I'm, uh, if guys are consistent listeners of the show, you'll know I'm a huge advocate for uh, frequent blog posts. So that is awesome. And, you know, in the, in the sort of the heat of the moment, do you have any tips or do you like, how do you aid parents who are, you know, quite full on or possibly a bit distressed like separating from their child do you have any tips like for like in the heat of the moment or sort of do you hope that this educational sort of um knowledge beforehand will sort of settle them down and they'll know what to expect yeah well there's there is still always going to be you know one or two people um that still um you know even if you've tried to educate them beforehand on this that they will still experience that separation anxiety themselves Mm-hmm. Um, not so much the child even. Um, so, and this is something that's definitely come to me with, with age. So when I was kind of in my early twenties running this program, I didn't really have the confidence to kind of stand up to the parents, um, mm-hmm. like I do now. And if a child's crying and a parent's kind of like, Oh, like, I, I don't know if she wants to go in or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just go up to the parent and I say, can I pick her up? So I ask, I ask for permission. Can I pick her up? And then if the parent says yes, I just simply whisk up the kid, go into the dance studio, kind of rip it off like a band aid, and we get straight into it. Yeah. So um, 
I find that really easy because you just, you just do it really fast before anybody's kind of got the chance to be like, oh, mm. hang on, what's going on here? Um, you just, you know, rip it off like a Band-Aid. The more you kind of stand there holding the child with them reaching out and screaming to their mum, the worse it's going to be. Yeah. So if you just whisk them straight into the classroom, um, you know, twirl them around, pick them up on your hip, give them a magical scarf to dance with, smile at themselves in the mirror, wave to mum on the camera. As long as the faster you can do that, the faster the child's going to settle and yeah. the happier the customer's going to be and the yeah. more likely they're going to enroll and keep coming back. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that makes a lot of sense. And I have seen, um, you know, there's obviously there's different activities that we, you could recommend doing first to kind of get those kids who are a little bit um, nervous or a bit upset to kind of join in straight away. So, you know, things with props are always really good to sort of yes. start everyone off to kind of get them excited. Uh, but like you said, yeah, you sort of have to also figure out what's, um, right for you. And there's always possibly going to be like a really full on parent, but you know, if they're not willing to work with you, then possibly they weren't your ideal kind of client anyway. So, you know, you can't force everyone obviously into, you know, doing things how you want, but you know, at the end of the day, it is your business. So if you don't want parents in the classroom, well then, you know, they're not in the classroom. So that's just, that's just, yeah law of the land or whatever that saying is <laughs> exactly exactly and and on that note we we do have a very strict no parents in the classroom policy um at my mm. preschool program and because we've got the camera that i spoke about in the first mm. um episode that i did we've got a camera in our classroom that feeds out onto a live screen tv in our parents waiting room so the mm. parents can always see what's going on and i know some studios have viewing windows or yeah. a similar setup so that the parents can still see what's happening um mm. which really kind of helps them be a little bit more at ease with letting the kids go in we have a viewing window at the moment and I hate it like I honestly yeah. I want to smash the viewing window down because they it's honestly like some like they're crazed at times they were like <laughs> kind of shoving a child out of the way the other day and I was like is this real life like honestly I was like oh I can't and we have um we put tint on it to try and kind of blur it a little bit and so that the yes. kids can't see the parents and there was actually someone trying to like scratch a corner off the other day. And like, and I was like, um, no. So I have been thinking about getting cameras as well. So just so people aren't so full on around that window, but then also, you know, it's just good for peace of mind as well. Nothing's ever happened. Um, you know, we've never been obviously accused of everything, but I do see so much out there that I'm just like, oh, it would be nice to have, you know, as, as so a way for parents to view it in the waiting room. And then also um, if you needed to, to refer back to at any point. And one of our classrooms is kind of tucked away. So it's tricky to see it at all times. So I do like that tip as well, which is really good. Yeah, definitely. I definitely recommend getting the camera and the TV screen set up. Honestly, we use a camera, it was $80, I think, from Kmart, the camera that we got installed. So it's not even a huge expense. And you just, I just bought in a TV um, that I, a spare TV that I had at home, got it mounted on the wall. Um, and the camera is just a USB plug that plugs into the TV and it just, it creates a live feed. So there's no, no um, sound or anything. It's just um, all visual. Yeah. But it's honestly, it's so easy to set up. Like, don't, don't be afraid that you think, oh my gosh, I've got to get this $3,000 security yeah. system thing. Like yeah. it's, it can be such a quick fix and, mm. and just change the way that the parents, um, yeah, react around the situations there. Yeah. Yeah. That's really awesome. And I have one last question for you today, Erin, and thank you so much for joining us again. But what is your number one tip for studio owners 
interested in either starting their own preschool program or possibly growing their preschool preschool program and integrating that with their current curriculum? Okay, my number one tip is to just do it. So I hope that by um, by listening to, to my podcast last week and today that um, you can see how much it can absolutely transform your business. So um, my preschool program is, is very much the heart and soul of my business and something that I would just encourage anybody to implement. And um, even as Claire shared in her story that, you know, only within the last couple of years did she start really honing in and offering the morning preschool classes, you know, and look where you've grown it to already. So Mm. that's it. And, you know, I even have a thought, you know, you think, um, you know, I think of it, a couple of kids that started the preschool program with me when they were two years old and they have done every single term with me for, you know, the past seven years. The kids are now nine. They now come to seven classes a week. They do private lessons each week. They're on my competition team. So really getting in, getting those customers at that kind of ground level um, can really change the bottom line of your profits as well because you're creating lifelong customers and creating longevity in your business. So if you've constantly got that feed of people coming through, you you don't have to worry about your classes not being full and you think, you know, you you look now, okay, yep, I've got X amount of students in my two-year-old program, um, you know, all going well in five years' time. Those kids will all still be here with me and, you know, I'll have a great, you know, seven-year-old program. Mm, Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. And I do think there's so much power in growing your preschool program. And really, like you said, there's so much potential to, if you have your own premises as well, to really kind of grow it. And then, you know, even if you're, um, you know, hiring different venues, it, it can be still so lucrative. And I still always say that hiring per hour is, you know, better financially, but this is, um, yeah, really, a having a big and a really successful preschool program is only going to be uh, an amazing asset to your business. Yes, absolutely. So I definitely encourage anybody out there who is on the fence about it or maybe only has one or two preschool classes that they run per week to really look into it some more and really dive into it and don't hold back because, you know, in a year's time when it's booming, you won't, you won't regret it. You won't look back. Awesome. Erin, thank you so much for joining us again for uh, today's episode and last episode. You had so much amazing information and tips and tricks for our listeners. So can you again share how they can find you and you know what you, they can follow you on social media and things like that to sort of see more about Fairy Ballet and more about what you're up to? Yeah, absolutely. So best bet is to jump on my website, which is www.fairyshop.com.au, which is fairy spelled F-A-I-R-Y. You may look me up on Facebook. Um, My full name is Erin Nash. So you can add me as a friend if you'd like to chat more. And on Instagram, we are called fairy shop. Just, just the one word. Awesome. Well, I'm going to, I'm opening up my app now. I'm going to go add you so I can follow you. I haven't followed you on Instagram yet. Oh, wonderful. Um, we post lots of super cute videos and we oh, do lots fabulous. of super cute fairy quotes. So yeah, lots of fun oh, on Instagram. Who doesn't love a fairy quote? <laughs> um, awesome. Oh, hold on. Let me double check. There's fairy shop underscore F. Oh, that's right. You've got to add the suburb as well. So the suburb that we're located in is Joondalup, which is a bit tricky, a bit of a tricky name. Spelled J-O-O-N-D-A-L-U-P. Yep. Guys, honestly, if you just type Fairy Shop Jade, it'll come up. Fairy Shop Jade, type that in. That's much easier than trying to type Joondalup. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, and you can see beautiful photos of Erin's studios. And I'm just looking at a funny video of your staff. Doing yes. Fun little bunny jump wiggling their bottom. So that's practicing our, our bunny dances for Easter. <laughs> oh, very, very awesome. But again, thank you so much for joining me today, Erin. And I look forward to talking with you again soon. Thank you so much for having me, Claire. Thank you for listening to the Business of Dance podcast. For show notes and other episodes, please go to businessofdance.net slash podcast. To learn more about Business of Dance and stay up to date with all the episode releases, as well as lots of extra studio tips and tricks, please like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. If you have any questions, topic suggestions, or wish to be a guest on the podcast, please contact us at podcast at businessofdance.net. We appreciate you taking the time to rate and review us on iTunes and wish you a great day. Stay tuned for next week's episode. And until then, keep dancing your way to the business you have always desired.